The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of royal peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. So I want to just finish by saying that uh, this has been an incredible experience. The people have been, this is the third time we've won, but this is the biggest win. This is a, they said, well, if you win by 12%, that's a big win. That's going to be very hard to do. Well, I think we've more than doubled that, I guess, or tripled it maybe. They said, you'll never get over 50. And I just left and we were at 54. Now, I don't know what's going to happen with it. But they said, you can't do that, sir. I said, what's about the highest? Well, you could get into the 40s, maybe 40, 41. And then I look up and, you know, it's very interesting. I didn't know they called it early. This is the people's victory. Despite every media, despite every lawsuit, despite every effort to destroy Trump, the people of Iowa have stood up and said, no, he is our candidate. Number two, he's the nominee. Get over it. He is the nominee. He's going to win the nomination. The news media doesn't want to say that because they, they need to somehow hype. Please watch us while we go through this charade. There is no candidacy for number two. Trump is not a candidate. Trump is the leader of a nationwide movement to take power back from the establishment. And that's why every time he's attacked by the judiciary, every time he's attacked by, by the news media, he gets stronger. Finally, Iowa has turned red. When, when I first got involved in politics, Iowa was a very competitive state and sometimes was a sort of Democrat state. But over the years, Iowa has moved away and Trump is a big part of this. If you look at the, who's winning elections in Iowa today, they're Republicans. If you look at which party's collapsing in Iowa today, it's the Democrats. We were a great nation three years ago, and now we're a nation in decline. We are going to turn it around so fast. It's going to happen so fast. We're going to drill. We're going to make great. We have great wealth. We're so it's now off to New Hampshire, a great place. We won it last time, and uh, we won it both times. And uh, we love it. The people are great. But you know, the truth is the people in our country are great. They're all great. It's, uh, we love Iowa, but they're all great. They only want to see one thing. They want our country to come back. They're embarrassed by what's going on. Our country is laughed at all over the world. They're laughing at us and they want our country to come back. They want America. You know, they want us to be great again. It's a very simple MAGA, make America great again. A historic victory for uh, former President Donald Trump last night in the Iowa caucus. He, uh, he pulled in 51%. He won by 30 points, I think, the, the largest margin for victory. You have to go back to when I was in high school. It was uh, Bob Dole, I believe, who won by 12%. 12 points. And last night, Donald Trump just absolutely cleaned house. You're listening to Stephen Fleury, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining us on today's show. You can get to the live stream of this show every weekday morning at 11.05 a.m. in the central time zone of the United States. That's at TrumpetDaily.com or at the Rumble channel. Just go to rumble.com forward slash 
Trumpet Daily. We have a lot to get to on today's show. We're going to rotate the order just a little bit and bring you the very latest from the Iowa caucus at the second half of the show today. But for the first half, we have a very special guest joining us to talk about uh, quite, a f- quite a few things, hopefully, if we can squeeze as much as possible into the next 20 minutes or so. His name is Lee Smith. He is uh, he's a longtime journalist and author of many books. Uh, his specialty on the Middle East, The Strong Horse, written uh, some years ago. More recently, he's known for The Plot Against the President. And then this one right here from 2020, The, the Permanent Coup. Mr. Smith, welcome to the Trumpet Daily. Stephen, thank you so much for inviting me on today. It's a real pleasure and an honor to. It's great to have you. I want to. I wanted to start. You don't have to comment too much on the politics uh, from last night if you if you don't want to. But I did want to start with uh, the Rachel Maddow's meltdown at MSNBC because I feel like I don't want to give your 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 stirring conclusion away from the permanent coup, (laughs) but I think it ties in with uh, just how you uh, finished your book. So let's go ahead and start with uh, clip nine, Sam. And I don't mean to be, again, too dark, as you said, on this, but it is not, if we are worried about the rise of authoritarianism in this country, we are worried about potential rise of fascism in this country. If we're worried about our democracy falling to an authoritarian and potentially fascist form of government, the leader who is trying to do that is part of that equation. Mm-hmm. But people wanting that Correct. is a much mm-hmm. bigger part mm-hmm. of that That's equation. Right. And the American electorate is made up of two major parties. One of those parties has been flirting with extremism on the ultra right for a very long time. Once you have radicalized one major party so that those are the preferences of the people who adhere to your party, the leaders interchangeable. And yes, Trumpism is sometimes what we call it. Mm-hmm. MAGA movement is probably a better way to do it. But there is an authoritarian mm-hmm. movement inside yes. Republican politics that isn't being bamboozled by Trump. Mm-hmm. They are pushing Trump yeah. to get more and more right. extreme because the more extreme things he says, the more they, the more they adhere and to him. That, yeah. and, and that is coming from the, a very large proportion of the American right that adheres to the Republican Party. And that's why this is a Republican Party problem more than it is the problem mm-hmm. of one man. I just think it's it's interesting there that, uh, you know, the end of democracy, Trump is Hitler. We've been hearing that in, in the last few months. But uh, but there it's no, it's not it's not even Trump now. It's the whole movement. And I, I mean, it's almost like like you said at the end of your book, you either choose our side or it's war. What 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 is your reaction well, to what Maddow had to say last evening? Well, I'm glad they're worried. I'm glad they're scared. Uh, I'm glad they're using that kind of fearful language to drive their own listeners crazy. The reality is, uh, I'm, well, I mean, first of all, Rachel Maddow is a lunatic. Um, but the fact is, is that. Uh, People have been saying for months, including Rachel Maddow and others, oh, Donald Trump, he's angry, it's retribution, it's revenge, it's this, it's that. It's like, (laughs) Donald Trump is the least of their worries, right? Donald Trump is not the issue. The issue is the people who are voting for Donald Trump or supporting Donald Trump. And if Rachel Maddow thinks that Donald Trump supporters want a piece of people like Rachel Maddow, I'm not talking about violence, I'm not talking about force. I'm talking about setting things straight. Look at what's happened since 2016. The president that Americans elected, Donald Trump, was jammed up for several years 
on the Russiagate garbage, right? That's the first thing. The president that they elected was not allowed to govern because they had to fight off this Russiagate crap. Then look at all the other things that went on during the Trump administration. Look at the way the corporate and political establishment hurt not only Donald Trump, but the American public, right? Let's remember everything from mask mandates to Joe Biden's famous COVID mandates. Let's look at all the different lockdowns. Let's look at how people have been hurt. Let's look at the censorship. Let's look at the lies. Let's look at the weaponization of the federal government targeting January 6th defendants, using the FBI to go after uh, PTA parents, using the FBI to go after pastors, to go after uh, to go after Catholics. It's absurd. So, of course, the American public is upset. And of course, the American public wants something from people like Rachel Maddow and the gang at CNN and the gangs at The Washington Post at The New York Times. And you know what? They should be worried. Because it's not a revenge tour of Donald Trump. It's not a retribution tour. It's a matter of setting things right. And the American people since 2016 have been looking for a platform, right? Someone who will govern them correctly and someone who will, uh, at this point, it's not about reigning in the elite. At this point, it's about destroying the elite. So thank goodness Rachel Maddow is worried. Let's hope that for the next 10 months, she evinces more and more panic and she drives the rest of her followers absolutely nuts, even nuttier than they already are, because that's what I'm expecting. I'm looking at COVID level panic from the left, thanks to people like Rachel Maddow for not understanding what they've done to the American public for the last eight years, at least, of course, much longer but certainly right. since the beginning of the Donald Trump era. Yeah, yeah, just in going through your book last night, uh, <laughs> reliving 2020, it wasn't pleasant just going through all that happened in that year. And, and you said right at the end, the point of that you're talking about all of the protests in the summer of 2020, the point of the protests and the coup of which they were a central component was plain. If you want peace, and stability, restore the party of Obama and let him complete his work, the transformation of America. Choose Trump and you choose war. I just want to focus in on the the transformation. You allude to that fundamental transformation uh, that Obama was talking about before he was elected in 2008. And uh, there weren't, as I recall, there weren't that many commentators that made that big of a deal out of it. You've You've talked about it at length in your your articles at Tablet, in your books. Um, when when was it that that alarmed you? Was it right when it happened or was it maybe a, a, a few years after he said that in 2008? I, I, I mean, as, as you mentioned before, I, I reported from the Middle East. I lived in the Middle East for several years. Um, it's the language of the Middle East. It's the language of third world regimes what Barack Obama was doing. And I, I certainly wasn't alone. I mean, there were there were people who were watching the videos that looked like they were praising, uh, you know, the, 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 the leaders of North Korea, the songs with the children. I mean, it was perverse. It was obscene. It was absolutely un-American. And look, the, the, if, if, your, if your great uh, audience is interested in really going to, back to someone who knew what was, ha- was happening, they should go back and read the late Fouad Ajami. Uh, A-J-A-M-I, who wrote um, who wrote an editorial in the Wall Street Journal. I believe it was 2007, though it may have been 2008. And Ajami lived in Beirut. He was a, he was Lebanese, 
proud American patriot. He was born in Lebanon, and he warned Americans what was going on with this language. It was not American language, and that's who Barack Obama is. He is an alien. He is alien to America. That's pretty amazing. This Just one more quote. You said Trump's former national security. Well, you talked about targeting Flynn, and we can talk about him in a moment if we have some time. But you said thus he had not only claimed responsibility for the coup, but speaking of Obama, but he'd also shed light yeah. on its ultimate goal, the rationale for destabilizing the country in the hope of removing Trump from office was to hold out until Obama's vision could be restored. And so we've we've yeah. emphasized really that this has been a 15, 16 year operation, because uh, even mm -hmm. you, you bring out in yeah. your book how that when uh, Obama left office in 2017, he just went down the street to his mansion in D.C. <laughs> and he's still he during the uh, Trump years, he was running the uh, yeah. shadow government, so to speak. And then, as you say, trying to destroy Trump's presidency. And then now we you know, we certainly feel I think you do as well, that he's pretty much the one running the show uh, today. Is that right? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what I got wrong. I really appreciate you reading from that book. That's very kind of you. I hope you're not going to drive your, 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 your readers crazy with it. Um, look, here's one thing I got wrong. I thought the purpose of destabilizing Donald Trump was simply to get rid of Donald Trump, right? It wasn't. The purpose of destabilizing Donald Trump, as we now see in the Biden years, the purpose of destabilizing the United States under Donald Trump is because Barack Obama is an agent of chaos, right? Look at the instability he's brought to the United States right now, even with his own handpicked candidate. candidate. He's an avatar for Barack Obama. Look at what's happening. People are watching. They see it happening on TV. Pro-Hamas protesters throughout American cities at American college campuses. Barack Obama is an agent of destabilization, right? And what this describes is it describes a pathological regime. People are using a lot of different languages, uh, a lot of different uh, phrases, words to explain what the Obama faction looked looks like is it marxist is it communist i don't know maybe it's socialist maybe it's uh maybe it's oligarchic it's like this it's pathological that's what it is this is very important for people to understand right normal people say wow it looks like what they're doing is crazy take that insight to heart these are crazy people when you see the crazy people that uh, that joe biden has brought into his administration that tells you that this is a crazy faction that's what's going on. And the people, the animals who are out in the street protesting on behalf of Arab terrorists, they're a part of the regime, right? These are Democratic Party militias, right? Even though they were attacking the White House uh, uh, recently and they're against Joe Biden, they just want more, right? They want Biden even farther out there. They want Barack Obama even farther out there. So I think that's what's important for people to understand. This regime is pathological and it's an extraordinarily... Uh, it's an extraordinarily dangerous political faction. Take, take your insights seriously. Believe what you see. Believe what you feel. It's, it's pathological, demonic, yeah. if you will, if you prefer. Yeah. You, you made a comment, I think it was just about a year ago uh, this week in one of your articles. You said, and, and if you could just elaborate on this for us, yeah. we've quoted it in some of our material. But you uh, said a whole thanks. a whole of society industry designed to shape elections and censor, propagandize and spy on Americans was never simply a weapon to harm Donald Trump. It was designed to replace the republic. 
replace the republic. Yes. Yeah, if you could elaborate on that, that would be great. Yeah. Well, what I'm, I mean, we we look around and we see the cons we see the pillars of the constitutional uh, uh, constitutional republic laid to waste, and we can look at the Bill of Rights and how many of the how many of the Bill of Rights have been abrogated including freedom of speech, freedom of assembly. This is what January 6th is about. We look at the different people who, uh, the January 6th defendants who have been denied bail, uh, d denied uh, d denied a, s a speedy trial. So, uh, I, I mean, so in terms of the, in terms of the constitutional republic, this has been under siege for many years now, but certainly it was Barack Obama who really, who, you know, who, 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 who led the assault against the pillars of the Constitutional Republic. What I mean about replacing is what we're seeing is we're seeing a third world, third world style pathological regime. If you want to talk about Russiagate just for one second, what I tried to explain what was going on with Russiagate, because a lot of people misunderstand. They look at Rachel Maddow, for instance, oh, crazy, partisan, liberal, left-wing press. It's, 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 it's not that. We're well past the partisanship of the media. What we're talking about is an intelligence operation. That's what the press is. That's what MSNBC is. That's what the Washington Post and the New York Times are, right? We're joining the intelligence apparatus, past and current uh, intelligence officials, to the media. That's the third world right there. And that's what we're seeing happen. A corrupt pathological regime means to replace the constitutional republic. Fundamental transformation. That's right. Um, you've uh, that's well, today's actually the I guess what eight year anniversary of the implementation of the JCPOA. Right. It was January sixteenth, nineteen right. or sorry, two thousand sixteen. Mm -hmm. Got to get my decade yeah. right. Um, but you you've written about how that uh, uh, that was. I mean that was part of the fundamental transformation, and you also tied it yeah. into the way that Obama really targeted uh, General Mike Flynn because he was against yeah. that when coming into the uh, the office that he was in just briefly yeah. at the first start of uh, the Trump presidency. So why was yeah. it that Obama uh, went after Flynn so hard because of that? Because the, the uh, Iran nuclear deal was not only the, the, uh, the central um, foreign policy initiative of the Barack Obama years, it was also an instrument that he used to transform the United States. A lot of people wonder and they look now at the pro-Hamas stuff, right? Where did this come from? Since we know that, you know, American college kids are excessive and they do some nutty stuff and they believe some nutty things or whatever, but pro-Hamas, pro-terror, it was, it, was, it was only a little more than 20 years ago when the same people standing up for the same causes uh, took down the World Trade Center, attacked the Pentagon. So now this is a popular cause. Yes, this is what Barack Obama's deal with a terror state that embodies Jew hatred. That's what it was meant to do. It was meant to legitimize these different pathologies. So this was very important, not just in terms of our foreign policy, which was to degrade traditional allies, especially in the Middle East, like Israel, like Saudi Arabia, and um, elevate, uh, elevate Iran, again, a terror state. It was also meant to transform uh, the domestic arena as well, in particular the Democratic Party. Right? What it, what what it did to the Democratic Party was it, it was meant to uh, relegate uh, centrist Jews 
to uh, to a, a marginal position. Now, instead of uh, instead of uh, cent- centrist Jews, what we're going to do is we're going to ele- elevate the psychopaths, the real nuts, and that's what the Iran deal did on the domestic arena. It elevated the uh, the the psychopathic, right? And it's not just in the Democratic Party, of course. It's all it's all throughout the country. You you talked about you know elevating the psychopaths and and you know distancing. Uh, yourself from uh, traditional allies like Israel. Um, I think yeah. you said in one of your articles last year that uh, this anti-Benjamin um, Netanyahu movement, uh, it's very similar to the anti-Trump movement here, yeah. and that it's a lot of the, the same players that are, that are going, from, from the states, I think you meant, that are going yeah. after Bibi. What did you mean by that? Yeah, well, I mean, if the, 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 the cash flow, for, for instance, but the State Department was doing this uh, the State Department was doing this under Barack Obama as well. The Democratic Party has, has a bad uh, has a bad relationship with Benjamin Netanyahu, in part because Benjamin Netanyahu is not um, he's not a Democrat. If you look at a lot of Israeli leadership, there are a lot of people uh, there are a lot of people who are closer, like Ehud Barak, for instance, to Democratic Party leadership. Netanyahu is not, so the Democratic Party of this country has done their best to destroy uh, to, to destroy Netanyahu. So the protest uh, against his judicial reform, a lot of these were supported um, by not only by U.S. government funding, but of course all sorts of uh, U.S. NGOs. I, I mean, the names are familiar. Uh, people like George uh, George Soros. So the larger picture, of course, though, it's not just to weaken uh, or collapse Benjamin Netanyahu's government. But of course, right now with Israel at war, it's intended to destabilize Israel, a traditional U.S. ally that the Obama faction uh, believes needs to be destabilized. Why? Again, to elevate its psychopathic partners like the Islamic Republic of Iran and its allies like Hamas, Hezbollah and the Houthis. Right. And this is a very important thing. What what did the nuclear deal do? It empowered not just Iran, but Iran's allies. And people are looking right now at what's happening in the Red Sea and they're looking at what's happening. Oh, my goodness. All these, uh, you know, all, all the all the all the shipping is being rerouted around Africa. They can't go through the Red Sea because the Houthis are attacking them. Well, let's imagine what this is all going to look like if Iran gets a nuclear weapon. Right. Iran is going to have the ability to set the prices uh, in all sorts of global markets, including energy. But this was the plan of Barack Obama. And this is why Joe Biden, of course, uh, still wants to reenter the nuclear deal with Iran that Donald Trump wisely withdrew from in May 2018. Yeah. Yeah. You wrote last year regarding the JCPOA um, that 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 plan was never to stop Iran from getting the bomb. Rather, right. the, the tens of billions of dollars that Obama paid the clerical regime, which included plane loads of cash, was to facilitate construction of the nuclear weapons program. And then yesterday, we have the Fox News headline that said, Biden's Iran de-escalation strategy backfiring as regime close to producing an atomic bomb. Pretty, right. pretty amazing. I mean, why would Obama throw his support behind that movement, that effort, for them to get a bomb. American foreign policy historically, uh, some of its rhetoric, but a lot of it's very true, is that we are allied with people uh, who share uh, who share our values. That's not always the case. 
of course. We partnered with the Soviet Union to defeat the Nazis in World War II, and we've partnered with other people who don't necessarily... Saudi Arabia share some of our values, not an awful lot of them, right? But this is the idea. A lot of American foreign policymakers believe that we're best partnered, best allied with people who share our values. Well, for Barack Obama, that's the same thing. And what I mean by that is look at what happened during the Trump years. Look at how Barack Obama and Barack Obama deputies spied on the Trump transition team. Uh, they spied on Donald Trump. This is all third world, right? This is, this, is, this is not supposed to come from America. This is not an American thing to spy on your opponents, to try to imprison your opponents. It's third world. Right now, Iran embodies, right, embodies what all the uh, third worldists, what all the Maoists have prized for decades, right? That's why Obama partnered with Iran, why he sought to elevate Iran, because Barack Obama is a creature of the third world, and he's most sympathetic to the most uh, vicious, ugliest third world regimes that are out there. Well, I knew the time was going to go by too fast. Could you just comment maybe for a minute on uh, you? You were in the we've sure. been working with the Flynn people on this documentary that he's got uh, coming out. And, uh, I, and I understand you were interviewed for that production as well. Any insights you can give us there? Well, I think it's going to be a very, very, very important uh, production. And it's, it's very exciting. Um, I think that, first of all, people are going to have a pretty good understanding of who General Flynn is, um, you know, the, the, the entirety of his career. But also there's going to be a lot of stuff in there that people have been looking to hear General Flynn speak about for many years, whether this was, you know, how he was um, how he was pushed out of the White House, how he was set up. So it's going to include things. I, I'm, I'm, it's going to include his insights on things like the FBI and what was going on, the National Security Council. And it's not just going to uh, it's not just going to be against uh, about the plot against Donald Trump and the plot against Michael Flynn. It's also going to have uh, General Flynn's insights on what's happening in the world today, where America's interests lay, uh, what's important for Americans to be focusing on. Uh, at home and abroad. Lots of people say, and I'm, they're right to a certain extent. And we have people on our side who say, hey, our real problems are here at home. Our problem is the regime who's chasing us here. It's not the regime in Tehran, not, not, the, uh, not Beijing, not Moscow. It's what's happening here. And that's true, except it's very important to keep in mind that the people um, who are destroying this country here are partnered with American adversaries abroad, whether that's China or Iran. This is a very important thing to understand. And I think that General Flynn has a uh, terrifically broad view and understanding of what we um, as, uh, as Americans who love our country and who treasure our liberties, what we're up against right now. So yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm very eager for the film to come out. And I, I, I'm, I'm sure your, your audience is going to be really thrilled by it, too. Any uh, predictions on how the presidential election plays out in November? Well, <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, it's uh, it will be a historic event. Americans have been living through a lot of history the last um, the last few years, and it's going to be more history. And you know, you see these people. I mean, they're determined to destroy Donald Trump, and they're determined. To, they're determined, as they've shown, it's not just Donald Trump. They're determined to destroy Donald Trump supporters, right? So. <laughs> There's a lot going on. What I will say, though, is um, look, I, 
we want a Republican victory. We want a Donald Trump victory. But no matter what, we're, we're going to be fighting, right? I, I mean, Americans who love this country are going to be fighting for a while. Americans have been fighting for our liberties for a very long time. And this is for our generation. This is our fight. And that is not going to be decided in November. That fight will continue whether Donald Trump wins or not. Again, would, it would certainly be a huge... Uh, uh, a huge W in the win column, right? But our fight will continue no matter what. And if Donald Trump does not win, <laughs> I mean, what are people going to do? Say, well, okay, I guess that's it. America's finished. I'm, I'm, I'm rolling it up. I'm just going to go hang out and live in the woods. No, we're not going to do that. It's our country. We love it. We're going to fight for it. Can you leave us with any uh, contact information where, where our viewers can uh, follow your, your work? Yeah, uh, Truth Social, definitely. Uh, where I'm uh, at Lee Smith, then on Twitter slash X at Lee Smith DC, and also I've got a locals page, uh, Lee Smith Locals, Lee Smith dot locals dot com, uh, uh, where I'm um, publishing a lot of original content. Uh, I'll be publishing more in the coming uh, in the coming weeks and months, especially heading into election season. And, and um, you know, I I try to uh, interact. Um, interact with readers whenever I can, which I, I, I really enjoy. And I learned from a lot as I as I really enjoyed interacting with you here, Steve. Thanks so much again. Well, thanks for coming on. And uh, don't forget about his latest book, The Permanent Coup, a great read. Uh, some of it unpleasant as you have to relive some of the attacks <laughs> on uh, America. You are listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is The Trumpet Daily. When we come back, we'll give you the very latest, the rundown on all the politics of last night. We'll be right back. Daily News. Bible Prophecy. See the connection on The Trumpet Daily. Are you feeling overwhelmed by the flood of news and information? You need something to sift the news and bring you only what matters most. You need The Trumpet Daily. You also need something to help you understand not just what's happening now, but what will happen next. You need The Trumpet Daily. Only The Trumpet Daily accurately matches daily news to precise Bible prophecies. Because Bible prophecy is the only tool up to the task of sifting the news down to what's important and showing you what will happen next. Join host Stephen Flurry every weekday. Go to TrumpetDaily.com. So we're going to come together. We're going to drill baby drill right away. Drill baby drill. We're going to seal up the border. Because right now we have an invasion. We have an invasion of millions and millions of people that are coming into our country. I can't imagine why they think that's a good thing. It's a very bad thing. And then as soon as this group took over, they have hundreds and hundreds of terrorists coming in, known terrorists, some of them really bad. And many of them are in and they came in and nobody knows where they are. This is not a good thing. And we're going to have to deport. We're going to have to have a deportation level that we haven't seen in this country for a long time since Dwight Eisenhower, actually. So I don't want to be overly uh, 
rough on the president. But I have to say that he is the worst president that we've had in the history of our country. He's destroying our country. I don't want to be overly rough on the fake president, but he's the worst in history. <laughs> That's Donald Trump, his, uh, his speech last night after winning the Iowa caucus in a landslide, a, a historic landslide. I mean, DeSantis and Haley, they were just shellacked. And uh, I told you yesterday that the regime media would try to spin it some, some way, somehow. They could even take a landslide in some cases. Some of them couldn't ignore what happened. They can still ignore Trump. I'll get to that in a second. But, but some can actually take a historic victory on the part of Trump and turn it into bad news. This is just a sampling from uh, some MSNBC uh, videos that were posted. Trump wins Iowa in landslide, but there's bad news for him. <laughs> there's bad news for Trump in the landslide. This is not good for Donald Trump, says another one, quoting McCaskill. Another headline, will Trump lose in 2024? Many Republicans oppose skeptical uh, appear, or oppose skeptical and legal dumpster fire. And then finally, Nikki Haley has enough momentum to beat Trump in New Hampshire. Nikki Haley has enough momentum. She got third place, third place in Iowa last night. And then said it's just down to, weirdly, she said it's down to two people. Listen, listen to this. I'm jumping ahead, but go to clip five. The pundits will analyze the results from every angle. We get that. But when you look at how we're doing in New Hampshire, in South Carolina, and beyond, I can safely say tonight, Iowa made this Republican primary a two-person race. That's Nikki Haley with her Howard Dean moment. Who can, well, I'm old enough to remember the Howard Dean moment, the night that he destroyed his political career. Hard to believe this was 20 years ago. But for the, for the sake of some of our younger viewers, this was, this was Howard Dean in 2004 after he placed third in the Democrat primary in uh, Iowa. Clip six. If you had told us one year ago that we were going to come in third in Iowa, we would have given anything for that. And you know something? You know something? Not only are we going to New Hampshire, Tom Harkin, we're going to South Carolina and Oklahoma and Arizona and North Dakota and New Mexico. We're going to California and Texas and New York. And we're going to South Dakota and Oregon and Washington and Michigan. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House. Yeah! I mean, who needs, who needs speechwriters when you've got free material like this? The jokes just write themselves. Yeah! And then his political career died. Nikki Haley says, look, I got third, so that means it's down to the, the final two. What? It doesn't even make sense. She, her only chance is New Hampshire, so all, all of DeSantis's eggs were in Iowa. He's, he's basically lived there the last couple of months. I mean, between the two of them, how much? $200 million? to try to stop Trump, anything to get Trump, as I said earlier this week. And they just got pounded. 51%. It's never happened. It's never happened. Listen 
Listen to Ron DeSantis, his reaction to getting thumped by 30 points, clip seven. They threw everything but the kitchen sink at us. They spent almost $50 million attacking us. No one's faced that much all the way just through Iowa. They, the media was against us. They were writing our obituary months ago. They even called the election before people even got a chance to vote. But they were just so excited about the fact that they were predicting uh, that we wouldn't be able uh, to get our ticket punched here out of Iowa. But I can tell you, because of your support, in spite of all of that that they threw at us, everyone against us, we've got our ticket punched out of Iowa. We've got your ticket punched. You got punched. I can, we can agree on that. 30 points. He visited all 99 counties in Iowa, and last night Donald Trump won all 99 counties. Well, well, I think they found one vote in one of the smaller counties to give it to someone else. So 98 out of 99. Trump just went in there for a few campaign speeches. Like I said, I mean, he's going to, he has to appear in court every other day as well. He didn't, you know, you know the brilliance in Donald Trump's strategy? You talk about a, a comeback. They, as you just heard from Lee Smith, they have worked for eight years to destroy this man. They're still doing it. They're still trying to destroy him. And here he comes. <laughs> Teflon Don. You can't get rid of him. You can't put him away. You can't bury him. He just keeps bouncing back. And last night he bounced back hugely. He bounced back in a huge way. The comeback kid, if ever there was one. Remember all the times we've gone through it on this show, but it's just, it's just kind of enjoyable to remember all of those times when the lunatics, as Mr. Smith called uh, Rachel Maddow, all of them said he's finished. He's fi Even last year, the indictments finished him. The year before that, the midterm elections finished Donald Trump. He was finished. You know what, abs you want to talk about a morning meltdown or heads exploding, that uh, entrance survey that they had, I can't find it in my notes, but it was basically, it was basically they asked Iowan voters, do you feel like the, uh, the election was uh, stolen? 68% said, yeah, yeah, I believe it was stolen. <laughs> and then poof, they have a Howard Dean meltdown moment. They start screaming. This was uh, MSNBC's take, clip 11. There's two questions that were asked in the entrance polls that I just wanted to see if we could pull up. Um, that first one there uh, on the left, yep. did Biden legitimately win in 2020? Yeah, so yes, 30% here. Oh, wow. No, 66%. And see if I can give you the actual the breakdown here. entrance in Iowa? Yeah, this is among all Republican uh, caucus goers that, you know, we got into our entrance poll here. So among the yeses, the breakdown in vote is Nikki Haley 
53%, Ron DeSantis, 26%, and Donald Trump getting 10%, not surprisingly. And among the no's on this question here, who said, uh, who said Joe Biden did not win it, it is 68% for Trump. It is 16% for Ron DeSantis. And just trouble checking my math here, it is 6% for Nikki Haley. So just a stark divide there. You know, in the smaller group here, a little bit less than one in three who say Biden legitimately won it. Trump's getting buried. But two out of three said Biden didn't win it. And look at that. Trump's getting more than two out of three right there, more than 50 points ahead of DeSantis. Can we just pause for a second? Yeah, I, I want to say something about that. <laughs> two thirds of Iowa Republican caucus goers believe that the president of the United States right now is a fake. Illegitimate. Is not actually the president and is running some sort of scam wherein Donald Trump really is the president and Donald and Joe Biden is pretending to be. Two thirds of Iowa Republican caucus goers. No, no. Yeah, sounds about right to me. Two thirds. <laughs> they can't they can't let it go. Their their reaction, I mean, to those that would dare think that they stole the election. You know, one of the things well, where did I put his book? Uh, Lee Smith's book, The Permanent Coup, he talked about just how engaged Barack Obama was. They were weaponizing uh, the coronavirus. They were weaponizing the George Floyd incident that summer. But he says that it was around about April of that year, 2020, when Obama came out with a series of tweets. I mean, before these tweets, Obama was pretty much, hey, these are my favorite rap songs and here's my books that I've read this year, stuff like that. But in about April of 2020, Obama was pretty aggressive in his politics. We've got to get the mail-in ballots out. Nobody should be denied an opportunity to vote because of a virus. And then, of course, Lee Smith calls uh, the fake president, Joe Biden, Obama's avatar. Obama's the puppet master. But you fast forward to this past year. Donald Trump's campaign strategy, as I say, he's only gone into Iowa a few times. He ignored the debates. He, was, he sounded pretty gracious last night, by the way, talking about Haley and DeSantis saying, look, we need to, I mean, he praised Vivek, who suspended his campaign. It was just a few days ago that uh, Chris Christie suspended his. The Get Trump movement, it's pretty strong on the Republican side as well. But Trump said, look, why don't we come together now? Look at the common enemy we have. That has been his campaign. From the beginning, Donald Trump has been campaigning on the general election, this attack on the United States of America, this permanent coup, to use the, the title of Lee Smith's latest book. It's a coup. America's being attacked from within. You see the regime media leading the charge. And of course, behind it all is the dear leader, Barack Hussein Obama. People know, on the other side they know, they know it was stolen, and they know Donald Trump deserves to be back in there, and that's what they want. And they're turning out in droves. Never mind the Democrats, I mean, I'm sure the rhino Republican governor up in New Hampshire is gonna do everything he can to drag Nikki Haley to victory, even if, it mean, even if it means having Democrats register for the primary. 
But we'll see what happens. I mean, that's Tuesday. <laughs> if Trump wins in another landslide, I mean, that's it. It's over. Then he'll go to South Carolina, the home state of Haley, and he'll beat her there. Then he'll beat Ron DeSantis in Florida. It makes you, it kind of makes you think that Trump's getting some help. Not, not, from, not from people around him necessarily, although he, I think he, he has a much better understanding this time around of who's loyal and who isn't. But help from above, that's what I'm talking about. I think it was uh, Ben Carson yesterday who likened Donald Trump to King David of the Old Testament. That's not going to set well with the cult on the left. What does God say in 2 Kings 14? That he'll intervene. He'll prevent the name of Israel from being blotted out. He'll intervene by the hand of Jeroboam. This is from Axios last night. Trump's perfect night. He couldn't have scripted it any better. Trump won 98 out of 99 counties in Iowa, dominating virtually every demographic while physically campaigning in the state far less than any of his top rivals. And I mean, taken together, you put together all of the Republican billionaire donors, the donor class just shoveling tens of millions of dollars into Christie's campaign, maybe not Vivek, but, but Haley and DeSantis. And for a while, I mean, initially, if DeSantis is the one. Jack Posobiec, by the way, he tweeted out, he tweeted out uh, just this morning, a lot of people are deleting anti-Trump tweets right now. Big names, big hosts. Let me, let me save you the time. I have them all archived. A lot of people, they're going back and removing those tweets from two, three, four months ago saying, hey, DeSantis, ha- it's in the bag for DeSantis. It's in the bag for Haley. There's no way Trump can pull this off. There's no way Donald Trump can win in Iowa. DeSantis has visited all 99 counties. DeSantis has has practically lived there. But then you see, I mean, I'm talking about you, the viewers of the Trumpet Daily. You see with your eyes what happens when DeSantis walks into the sports bar. Nobody pays attention to him. I mean, he's, he's like a step removed from the fake president. Same thing happens. 51% even Axios admits it was a perfect night. It says here, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis edged out former UN Ambassador Nikki Haley for a distant second place, giving both an incentive to stay in the race and further divide voters searching for a Trump alternative. Ramaswamy who had sought to brand himself as the MAGA movement's heir apparent, suspended his campaign after a disappointing fourth place finish and quickly endorsed Donald Trump. It says, finally, this is Axios, Trump was in rare form early in his victory speech, urging the party to come together behind him and complimenting DeSantis, Haley, and Ramaswamy without the usual insults. A subtle power move that seemed to signal his team will ramp up the pressure on his remaining rivals to drop out. It's almost as if he's, he's sounding and carrying, carrying himself in a presidential manner. What a year this is going to be. The war in 24, pretty good start, at least to the political war for the bad orange man last night. Incredibly, 
incredibly, when their heads weren't exploding on MSNBC, they still were censoring Trump. Can't let him talk. Not even a gracious victory speech. No, no. We've got to blot him out. Listen to Rachel Maddow as she explains why MSNBC cannot play speeches by Donald Trump. Clip eight. At this point in the evening, the projected winner of the Iowa caucuses um, has just started giving his victory speech. Uh, we will keep an eye on that as it happens. Uh, we will let you know if there's any news made in that speech, if there's anything noteworthy, something substantive and important. Um, the reason I'm saying this is... Of course, there is a reason that we and other news organizations have generally stopped giving an unfiltered live platform to remarks by former President Trump. It is not out of spite. It is not a decision that we relish. It is a decision that we regularly revisit. Um, and honestly, earnestly, it is not an easy decision. But there is a cost to us as a news organization of knowingly broadcasting untrue things. That is a fundamental truth of our business and who we are. And so his remarks tonight will not air here live. These people are in the business of airing untrue things. That's all they spew out of their, their platforms. They tell lies. Go back to here again. That's the beauty of uh, Lee Smith's book, The Permanent Coup. You see, you see what Barack Obama's deep state got away with from the very beginning. I don't know if I read through this quote when uh, we were conducting the interview. Forgive my, my short-term memory. <laughs> but listen to this. This is from The Permanent Coup. It's uh, toward the end of the book. Lee Smith says, And yet the man ultimately responsible, he's talking about the man targeting General Flynn. Remember, Obama went after Flynn from the beginning, I mean, it was two days after Donald Trump shocked the world in 2016 when Obama said, uh, of anything that you do, do not hire General Michael Flynn. Because he knew. He knew that Flynn would nuke the JCPOA, and he also knew that Flynn would uncover all of the corruption, the spying. Spearheaded by the dear leader. Listen to this quote. And yet the man ultimately responsible for targeting Flynn is unlikely, is unlikely ever to be held accountable. Listen to this. The deep state wasn't the protagonist in the anti-Trump operation. It was the instrument that Barack Obama used in his ongoing effort to transform America. Fundamental transformation. <laughs> this is this movement. It's headed up, as you heard in the first segment, by a psychopath. He hates America. He hates Americans. In his book, Lee Smith says, now, Donald Trump, he represents an existential threat to this fundamental transformation. That's why they have to destroy Trump. And he says, you know, the thing about Trump is he loves his country, and he loves Americans. And Americans, they sense that. They get that, even though he's a billionaire. They look at Donald Trump and they see someone who loves them. 
They see someone. How, how can you call the guy in his victory speech last night? He says, I'd like to close the borders. Uh, I'd like to start drilling. I'd like to become energy independent. I'd like to send back all of these invaders. Uh, I'd like to bring down inflation. And then how does the regime respond? Hitler, Hitler. Are those the policies that a Hitler would govern on? Trump's just saying, I can't understand why anyone would just open the doors and let the whole world in. It has to stop. And then last night, 51%, a landslide victory for the man who's come under attack since the moment he came down those escalators, 2015, June of 2015. We're almost nine years into it. And the, the attacks are just intensifying. You heard Rachel Maddow. She's, they're doubling down. Look, they're, they're admitting we censor Donald Trump. He does not have a voice. And you go back into America under attack, and you see where that started. It started with the Obamas. After the January 6th hoax, it was Michelle Obama. She got on the horn with big tech and said, hey, Donald Trump doesn't deserve a platform. Donald Trump needs to be deplatformed. Donald Trump needs to be censored. And here we are, January of 2024, and Rachel Maddow says, you know what? You know, it's not a decision we take lightly. We do reconsider it from time to time, but uh, we just can't air untrue things. So nothing from Donald Trump tonight, who won in a historic landslide, I mean, you talk about something that's newsworthy. This is huge news. And yet still, they are so committed to the fundamental transformation of the United States of America. Still, still, even after a landslide victory, they won't let Donald Trump speak. Pretty amazing story. Let me just show you this book again. Sorry. Permanent Coup. This is by Lee Smith. And then he had one from just a year before that, the attack on uh, an American president. I forget the exact title. Uh, But here, attack is on my brain because of this one. This is the one uh, that uh, has a lot to say about the attack, but also an entire chapter in there devoted to targeting General Flynn, which which, uh, Lee Smith uh, concludes his book with, really. And as he mentioned, he's in the uh, forthcoming documentary, Uh, where Flynn is going to be able to tell his story. So uh, lots to study, lots to be reading, lots to keep uh, our eyes on as we go forward in 2024. If you'd like to email the show in response to today's content, including the the interview with uh, author and journalist Lee Smith, you can reach us at tdatthetrumpet.com. You are listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We thank you for joining us on today's fast-moving show, and we'll see you tomorrow.